Welcome back to the show. It is great to have your company and a big week for the Final Frontal Podcast as we look back on a big weekend. Delighted to say that I'm joined once again by top class jockey, Dennis O'Regan. Welcome back to the show, Dennis. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me back. Um, it certainly has been a, a huge weekend for, for the sport, so we have plenty to talk about. Big time. And a huge weekend to come with a terrific Tinkle Creek and the Hatton's Grace meeting at Ferry House, which we will be celebrating because on Wednesday evening, we're going to be joined by Gordon Elliott, Patrick Mullins, and Poppy Power as we preview Fairy House. Very much looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. But right now, Dennis and I are going to look back at a top-class weekend of racing. And obviously, Newbury will be high on the agenda, but all eyes were on Newcastle for the Fighting Fifth. And it was nothing short of spectacular from Constitution Hill. We kind of knew he was going to win. I didn't expect him to do this, though, for all that he is a very, very special horse. What did you make of that extraordinary win on Saturday? Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was nice to see it. Um, you could say England have been lacking a, a top-class two-miler for the last few years, and uh, it was nice to see a top two-miler, you know, going out there and doing his stuff uh, with great technique, great skill, jumping, and, um, you know, I've heard a lot of, Top analysis say all week there that it's, it was you know it was phenomenal. Uh, I think Ruby Walsh said the last the second half of the race was was absolutely outstanding. Um, you know, it, it Tony McKay there they've all been voicing uh, how good he is, and um, so you'd have to stand up and listen to some of that. Um, and obviously, <clears throat> Nico de Bonville looked uh, very happy after the race, and uh, probably the only person that wasn't happy was Aidan Foreman because he would have won another fight in fifth, only for him. And, you know, he was to run the week before, so I suppose he's probably the, the most disappointed person of the whole week. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was. It looked extraordinary. It looked, you know, top-class performance. Uh, I'm a realist, as everyone knows, so uh, I would keep on the more realistic side of things. And, you know, they're talking about him as if he's gone by in the champion order, which is insane. Um, actually, you know, he's not the benchmark. You know, only so is the benchmark. She's been there and bought the t-shirt, and uh, I think, and uh, you know, he could well do that. But until he does that, you know, she's the, she's the freak. Um, you know, and she'll still be getting the seven pound allowance. And until he beats her, giving her seven pound and a beating, then they can call him that. Whatever we want, but until then, uh, my view will be he has to go and do it. He'll have it all to do to beat her. Wow. So I was completely in that camp up until Saturday. Um, I, I was very much of the mindset that this is crazy, that Honeysuckle is second favorite for a race that she's won the last two years. She's a three-time Cheltenham Festival hero, and she's never been beaten. How is it that she's three to one and he's five to four? Now, uh, with our new sponsors about to come in, I better say it this way. Uh, Constitution Hill is top price 1.67. Yes, it's a betting exchange and a very big one. Uh, 1.67 for the champion hurdle and Honeysuckle is 5.0. Uh, or seven to four on and Honeysuckle fours. And 
I'm I'm glad that you're here to kind of weigh down the argument and and put a bit of realism back into it because it is very easy to get hyped and it is very easy to get carried away and I think I was one of those people. I was getting messages from very good friends of mine who and kind of casual acquaintances from all sectors. Like the WhatsApp group was going nuts which honestly with racing hasn't really happened for a while. Um but the lads were going nuts about this and and asking me what next and where else is this horse going to go and is he going to come to Ireland um, but I had some well he might have to come to Ireland yeah so uh, I, I mean his options are, you know are the, are the Christmas order by Kempton which he'll want to have returned to win that now so uh, you know he, he what's his other options I mean Ireland is probably his best option he wouldn't be taking on Honeysuckle at Leperstown but he'd be taking on Stateman and charger. So, you know, you know a bit more then. So, my, I mean, yeah, like I, I just thought, you know, I, I've often seen, um, you know, top class, you know, horses, you know, even Honeysuckle put in a performance that was absolutely outstanding. Like I've seen that, I've seen her do that at Leperstown and then she's not so good the next time, but she still wins. Mm. Um, yeah, she did that one year in, in Hatton's Grace, you know. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I'm not, I just wouldn't take away from the filly. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of Holly Soffel, to be honest. Um, very sound jumper and real stare. And, um, yeah, I, I think she's the benchmark. I think they should be saying, well, they've got her to beat um, rather than he's gone by. You know, already. Yeah, it's very dismissive. Yeah, be realistic. It's a very dismissive yeah, way yeah, of looking at, at a true champion. Of, uh, well, of a champion that's never been beaten. Yeah. Ever. Never even looked like being beaten. So uh, I'm, well, I'm a bit. And there's also Stateman in the picture. Yep. And whatever else Willie Mullins would pull out of the pack, like he could end up running Boban in a champion hurdle without even a run. Um, you know, have you, you heard just, that? You just is, that is that something that's been suggested? No, I, no, of course not. Of course not. You know, it's not beyond the reality that he, that Willie could produce something and do something like that. I mean, you know, he he's waiting on Volban there to come and he's probably taking his time. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, I maybe I'm could be talking to my, you know, could be talking nonsense, but. <laughs> You know, I just don't think that's just a straightforward conclusion like that he's gone by. Listen, obviously, Nicky Henderson has a fantastic record in Champion Hurdle and, uh, you know, they're very lucky around there. He's, he's obviously looks an absolute superstar, but, you know, she, she, she's a superstar as well. Um, so, <laughs> it's going to be a very good race. It's nice to see a bit of competition for her, I think. A bit better opposition. I always felt that Honey Suckle is only doing enough. Yeah, um, I got that impression know, too. If she came again, you know, they were always saying, you know, I, I, I always felt that, you know, they were always kind of doubting her opposition, which is fair enough. But I just have a feeling if if uh, if there was a one that was as good or a little bit better than her, she'd she'd still win, you know. Um, mm. So she's a freak, in my opinion. So uh, it'll be interesting season, won't it? Really, to see how they all pan out. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, we'll talk about potential opposition for him in a little bit, but obviously Honeysuckle is, is the big one. Um, one thing I wanted to put to you was Timeform have come out with their rating, which is extraordinarily high. Um, extraordinarily high, I should say. It's used my mouth words correctly. It only took eight minutes in this episode for the mouth words to fail me. Um, but along with them, the Racing Post have issued their RPRs. And when you stack up where his performance in the Fighting Fifth sits amongst the all-time two-mile greats, Isterbrack and his Irish champion hurdle win, uh, or Punchestown champion hurdle win in 1999 is top on 181. Faheen's Irish champion hurdle is 177. And then coming in, coming in hot in third, Constitution Hill in the fighting fifth. So she's not on that list. Um, the The list is rounded off by Alderbrook, Dado Star. Uh, Collier Bay, Rooster Booster in the Champion Hurdle and the Tote Gold Trophy combined, and Hurricane Fly for his Punchestown Champion Hurdle, his Irish Champion Hurdle, and his Champion Hurdle. Uh, and of course, he was an absolute rock star of, of a racehorse and one of my favorites of all time. That's the difference between yeah. him and, and her, is that he's posting these insane figures. A little a little bit like Flightline. Dare I speak about an American flat horse on a jumps podcast? A little bit like Flightline did so much in a very short space of, of his career. He only had six starts, but his he was unbeaten in all six, and his sixth was the Breeders' Cup Classic. This fellow's only had four. Four lifetime starts. He's never won by less than 10, and he's just won an open company slamming the entry hurdle winner by 12 lengths. Yeah, I think I think what I mean is, like, you know, I, I have no doubt he's an extraordinary good horse, and he could win the champion hurdle, no problem. You know, I and but I think what I like is a horse that's consistent at that level. Mm. You know, Isterbrack, Hurricane Fly won two champion hurdles, he won 22 grad ones. I mean, yeah. he won several Irish champions, you know. Um, and, and you know, for me, Honey Suck has been there and done that, and I think it's unfair to take away from a filly who's never done you know, no filly's ever done it, you know, a mare to do what she's done really um you know and I, I just think it's very on the back of one performance it's very dismissive of honeysuckle and uh, i'd be a little bit even though it's hard to believe that she's she's going to be the underdog going to the champion early <laughs> and uh you know so that's i think that's that's where i'm at with that um i have no doubt uh constitution hill was mind-blowing on saturday and all the rest and well, uh, Epitone made a few mistakes now through the race as well. Um, so, you know, that would exaggerate the distance. But uh, I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the Henry de Bromman camp will be, they won't listen to too much, uh, you know, faff about it all. And I think they'll just carry on as they do. And, uh, you know, it would nearly be better if Honeysuckle got beat before the champion hurdle at Cheltenham. Uh, it would actually take, yeah, it would be better if she got beat before it uh, somewhere. And, uh, you know, because they'd be very nervous going to Cheltenham if she was still unbeaten. Yeah, the, the curse um, of the but, unbeaten record. Yeah, well, yeah, there would be, you know, in, in, in just for the simple fact of getting her beat. Like, But, you know, I think they'll be, they'll be happy enough. They know how good she is. And, uh, you know, I just... I think my argument is, yeah, he was very good on Saturday. 
no doubt uh, he's you know he, he could rock up and win the champion hurl he could be the best two miler we've ever seen um, but I still think to give her seven pound and what a, a very easy beating like it's it's like as if he's going to win on the bridle I can't see it yeah I, I, I no, struggle with that as well and I, I've struggled with that argument this idea that I don't, he only has to turn up like it is so yeah. dismissive and so patronising to Honeysuckle's connections and, and, and to her as bit, champion a small bit yeah and to state man I mean you know he was obviously going to go chasing this year and um, you could see the way he jumped his hurls at Pontchastown in the Morgana that he had been jumping fences um, and, and Willie changed his mind and brought him back for champion hurls so what's Willie Mullins thinking Mm. He's thinking, geez, did I do the right thing? I mean, uh, champion Earl, he must think, he must think it's more open than everyone else thinks. Yeah, well, the, so, the interesting uh, thing with him is know. that it's it's not just it's not just him. It's it's Vaughan as well. Although to be fair, Vaughan is more of a champion hurdle type. To be fair, um, whether he's good enough, we have to wait and see. I'm I'm very excited to see what he can do. The the other one is Sir Gerard, who was in until the very last yeah. second and is still in yeah. for the Hatton's grace. We might very well be talking about him on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, but he's also exactly. he's also entered on St. Stephen's Day in the in the grade one, the race he posted mm. novice chase. So which direction he goes in, that's up to that's up to Willie really. Um, I'm still clutching my anti post docket of twenties, although he's now been shoved out to twenty fives for the champion hurdle. So we'll have to wait and see. But in terms of who's gonna take him on uh, obviously, honeysuckle, and uh, personally, I would prefer it if she remains unbeaten because that means, of course, yeah. That, I, I get what you're saying in terms of it would take the pressure off them, but if she's after winning the Hatton's Grace and the Irish Champion, and he's won the Fighting Fifth, and I imagine yeah. it will be the Christmas hurdle, yeah, it'd be incredible, wouldn't it? Really, Ooh. for them to rock up at Cheltenham, yeah. That Tuesday but would it, be extremely exciting. It, it would be fascinating, but that's just not going to be a straightforward champion hurdle now you know it's just not going to be um, that's going to be that's going to be you know that could be one of the races of, of the greatest races ever you know some fantastic horses could run in that you know um, you know to be obviously constitution only suckling then whatever Willie will have you know so uh, he'll he'll probably have two well he'll have more than two because there'll be Sharjah and, and Saldia will be there as well and, and they'll be capable of running big races but Stateman and Vabon assuming everything is fit Statement of Vaughan, maybe Sir Gerard, maybe Willie decides. Yeah, screw that. We'll go. We'll go chasing with him now. Yeah. Um, after that, yeah, though, just, Dennis, you wouldn't know. What, you just wouldn't. Yeah, after that, there's probably nothing. There is nothing. Yeah. There is. Yeah, there is literally nothing. To to the point that mm-hmm. once the Christmas hurdle comes out, I imagine this is where he's going to go. Uh, I said it on Thursday. And I, yeah. Well, you say epitome. I was saying that as well. But I did say on Thursday with Mark that if he wins, then surely he goes for the Christmas hurdle. And that's pretty much what Nikki has said now. Yeah. And so I wonder, will Epitone, yeah, yeah. will Epitone be the one who comes to Ireland? But irrespective of, of that, maybe JP will have a word and, and we'll see. Because uh, Michael Buckley was certainly up for the idea of coming to Ireland over Christmas. And, and Nikki had floated that idea as well. And I'm pretty certain Leopardstown yeah. would love to have either of them, but particularly Constitution Hill. Um but the Christmas hurdle at Kempton is going to be another small field race, and he'll be tens on for that. And then he will go straight to Cheltenham because we successfully got rid of the contenders hurdle, thankfully. Uh, so mm. similar to Honeysuckle, he'll have two runs, she'll have two runs, and then they'll meet on the day and we'll see. Well, who's going to be taking it? There's actually another horse there. 
Go on, yeah. Well, there's another horse there that he won the, did he win the, the Great Wood? I like to move it. Yes. Nigel Tristan Davis's. Yeah, he goes for he's the Beulah next. He's, he, he, he'll be another horse with a big chance. Uh, people will dismiss him because of the poor quality in the race, but he's a good horse, Afla. I was impressed with him in Cheltenham the last day. I wouldn't rule it out. Well, if you're interested in an, in an anti-post bet, and we don't have to frame everything around betting, although it's a major component of, of this show and a major component of, of the sport, sometimes you can just kick back, relax, and enjoy what you're seeing. And that's what we got on Saturday. You didn't have to have a bet in that race. And whether you backed against them or you were with them, surely you were cheering because that was just extraordinary. But it's, it's a no-bet race right now. Um, certainly on Constitution Hill. If you got the three to one after he won the Supreme, then good luck to you. But seven to four on does nothing for me, and I have little interest in supporting him at that price. Honeysuckle at fours is is much more interesting. But if you can find an each way angle into this race, because you're not getting this is there's no non runner no bet here. You know, if your horse comes out, if God forbid, if Constitution Hill got a stone bruise on the morning, you're screwed. Um, so if you can find a fifty to one shot in, I like to move it. And you go down through the field and you can pretty much pick apart that he's not going to run, he's not going to run, she won't run. Then I can absolutely see why you would want to be with him um, and, and why you'd want to support him. But in, in terms of the winning of the race, there's there's really only four horses capable of doing that right now. Maybe Sir Garrett if, if he keeps over over hurdles. But it's it's really, it's about Constitution Hill and Honeysuckle with supporting roles from Statement Fabon, who could be anything, either of them, of those two could win it. I think your overall point is that this division is not now signed and sealed and completed. There's a lot of water still to go underneath this bridge. And um, Chapman saying on ITV, which has worked because here we are talking about him. Uh, That's the best hurdler I've ever seen. Like, come on. Uh, he's good. He's exceptionally good. He might be the best hurdler that any of us has, has seen, but he's not that yet. Well, until he does it, then you know that's. I'm more of a rather than a, a predictor of, of things. I'm. I like to see the facts. You know, I like to see the reality of it. And uh, yeah, just, uh, I just think, yeah, I think it's 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 going to be it's going to be fantastic viewing anyway for racing fans throughout the winter into the spring. Did you hear that sound? That was the sound of Dennis O'Regan bursting bubbles. Just bursting. Just <laughs> trying to come in with a little bit of realism. Come in with a little bit of accuracy. Let's not get too... Let's not float away uh, just yet. But yeah. he's, he's very exciting. The point you made about Epiton making a mistake, I, I thought there was some grounds for concern with her. I spoke with Aidan Coleman on Thursday and we released it on, on the final furlong. Uh, as well um, for for Talksport, and I, just before the race, Nikki Henderson was talking about how she had had a race course gallop at Newbury, and it had taken more out of her than he had expected. And he even said something to the effect. I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of, "She's she'll need it, but she's well on herself, and she's won this twice before." Um, so it is entirely possible that she was nowhere near her optimum. He didn't sound that particularly good. Uh, yeah, she was, fit, she was fit enough to win, like, you know, yeah. which she would have. It, it, that's the way he'd be training her anyway, you know, which, which long season ahead. But uh, unfortunately for Aiden, uh, 
Ascot's ground wasn't suitable enough for Nicky Henderson and uh, they had to reroute and uh, that's just unlucky for unlucky for, for Aidan Coleman really if and Epitante If he'd won at Ascot let's just say he, he wins by 12 lengths beating Goshen is he 7-4 to four on for the champion hurdle beating Goshen by 12 lengths or is it the fact that he's won a ch- an actual champion hurdle trial in the fight? No, no it's the, no, it's the fact of how impressive he looked it's the way he did it. Mm. Yeah, it's the sectional timings and the way he did it. He looks, he looks the real deal. Um, so he'd have gone odds on had he wanted Ascot as well. I would say so. Yeah, I would say he would have. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he would have been. I don't think for some reason I don't think he would have been as impressive in, in Ascot as he would have been as he was in Newcastle. Yeah. Uh, I just think the ground, the ground was softer and. Uh, uh, I just don't think. Yeah, there's a difference in tracks, you know. Um, he would have won. He would have won at Ascot as well, but it—he just wouldn't have been as impressive. Like, um, I don't think. I did see comparisons being made about the the Fighting Fifth to previous years, which be very, very careful with that because this race changed, the distance has changed, and conditions of the race have, have changed over the years. No, as well. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think there's anything to knock about the performance in it. No, 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 there's not. But I think just, there's, 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 even times and everything, you know, he looks, he looks the real deal. Um, yeah, it, it's just it's what, what it's I would say is that it's, if if you're going to be saying that's the fastest fighting fifth of all time, it's actually not because the distance has, has changed in that race. But there was yeah, there's there's far more to like about him than dislike. He yeah, is, there is. Yeah. He is without question the most exciting horse, and if you're if you're on board. All right, let's say Champion Hurdle comes around and you get to, to ride him. And in the Champion Hurdle is Honeysuckle, Statement, Vabon, I like to move it. It's a pretty small field. What do you do on him? You're at the you're at the start, you're lining up. Do you are you handy? Are you holding him in yeah, the field? He's very oh no, he's, he's a handy. I'd ride him yeah, handy. In the first two. Yeah, he's the type of horse. He looks very uncomplicated, and uh, he'd be able to control the pace. You know, uh, I I I probably sit in front of Honeysuckle than behind her. Wow! And uh, yeah, I would. Um, I think you know she. You be get you be setting yourself up for a battle with her, really. Um. It would depend really what the end race, you know. I mean, I like to move, it'll probably make it run. I don't know, but there'll probably be a few more come out of the woodwork in between. But I wouldn't say Nicky, I wouldn't say Nick at the bottom. He jumps so slick, he jumps so quick. He's a real top class hurler that you just wouldn't want to, uh, that'd be, you know, you wouldn't want to disarm yourself of that, basically. Um, you'd, you'd want to be using that. And the only way, the way you would use that to great effect in something like Champion Hurdle is to be in front of the pack with plenty of space. Um, you know, if you're caught in behind horses and you know, say they weren't, it got a bit tactical, then you kind of take that away. You know, you take that uh, good slick jumping away from yourself, then you lose that, um, and you, you might have to end up coming wide because. You know, there are a lot of good horses in that race. It's not like you're going to pick them up at the end or, you know, you, you know they're going to stop or and they're not not a championship level. 
So if I was riding, if I was riding um, Constitution Hill, I'd probably want someone to make the run, and uh, I'd pop him out second. Sit second. Um, I'd be, I'd be very handy anyway. Yeah, I would. In the first two. The excitement for what this fella can do for the rest of the season is, and I say that with the fact that I know we're only going to see him twice more. In fact, I think we're probably only going to see him twice more for the whole season. Uh, but those two races are massively anticipated. The Christmas start at Kempton, which I imagine is going to be a pretty small field. Um, and there's a real threat of talent in the two-mile division. It would be pretty cool if uh, if a Bon was to come over. For that, Willie's got to find a race for him at some point. So maybe, maybe. Um, but do you really want to be taking him on 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 Boxing Day, St. Stephen's Day? I'm not entirely sure. I suspect that's going to be a pretty small field, um, and and should cement his position for the champion hurdle itself. I, I'm with you in that. I would much prefer to back Honeysuckle at nine to two, and we'll get more from Robbie Power about her and her preparation for the Hatton's Grace on Wednesday. But um, he's bloody exciting. And if you want to back a, a horse at odds against who's got form with him, then the only horse to have ever beaten him will be in action on Sunday. Uh, the wheels have kind of come off the Any Harmon Askin train just a little bit, but you are going to see him at Huntington on Sunday, apparently. Uh, and, and perhaps that can be one angle into Constitution Hill, but it's he's freakishly good. And there's no question that in Honeysuckle he has a exceptionally high bar to reach, but if there's a horse who can do it, it, it has to be him. Um, but you can't be dismissive of Statement and Vabon and proceed with caution in terms of the anti-post market. Uh, we'll switch to to Newbury and the Hennessy, or Carl Gold Cup as it's now known, uh, where Lemilos wins. Chalk one up for Mark Milligan on the final furlong on Thursday. Uh, this was his tip. Uh, the Skeletons take another big feature race having won the Betfair Chase with Protector out the week before, uh, and he was incredibly well back too, 9-2. to two. My two picks finished second and third for the David Pipeyard in Remastered and Jericho Rock, who both ran Stormers, Corrick Rambler coming back in fourth. Uh, Harry and Dan are, are becoming the dynamic duo of jumps racing. When it comes to a big target, they're, they're always there with a lively contender, and they're becoming more and more influential in the jumps game. And I, I liked what... Dan was saying afterwards about just how much it means to him to be winning these races with his brother. It's a pretty extraordinary thing they're doing. What did you make of Lamilos's win in the Hennessy? Yeah, again, what you say, they're having a fantastic season, the Skeletons. Um, I thought it was a very below average uh, Carl Gold Cup, do they call it now? Um, the Carl Gold Cup handicap chase. Um you know, uh, Bustleton is obviously a, a very good horse, uh, but he's kind of my benchmark, you know, in the race, finishing fifth, and uh, he's beaten 15, 16, 17 lengths um, in fifth. Um, obviously, a Kerry National winner, a good horse. Um, you know, it's hard to read into the form too much. I mean, for me, there probably was no Gold Cup horse that came out of it. Um, mm. you know, uh, there was only one Gold Cup trial this weekend, and that was in Newcastle. Um, I wouldn't say any of these horses would have a chance in the Gold Cup. Um, but it obviously was a great race. It was a good race to watch. Um, I thought Harry Skelton gave the Malas a very good ride. It all came down to the good jump of the last. If he missed the last, he wouldn't have won. Um, 
And, you know, it was a, a good training performance by David Pipe to have the second and third. I mean, you know, it looked like they were well in and had their chance. But, uh, yeah, I, I, like Lemillos, it was obviously a good training performance from Dan Skelton. He got up from Tim Vaughan, who's we all know is no, is no uh, slouch of a trainer, a uh, very good trainer in his own right. And he's obviously got Lemillos and uh, on his second run for Dan, he's improved the horse, you know, significantly. Um, so uh, yeah good training performance skeletons are on fire and um, you know a nice a nice, another big Saturday winner for the skeletons and um, yeah that was about it really I didn't uh, you know he didn't stand out to me like he was going to win anything anything you know like a gold cup or anything so uh, you know he might be a horse that could run, run very well in the gold cup maybe even a grand national but um you know, it was he was he was treading water at the end as well. Um, yeah, it was just a very good handicap chase. Um, you know, I definitely didn't uh, I definitely didn't feel there was a horse of any real quality um, to come out of the race, and that's not disrespecting any of the horses that ran in it. Um, you know, like I say, Bustleton is my benchmark, and he is a good horse, Bustleton. But you know, uh, he's a Kerry National winner. Um, you know, I just didn't feel. I just didn't feel that the, unless he could go on maybe and win a Welsh national, which wouldn't be beyond. You know, you know, one of them might rock up in a Welsh national. It's a very good trial for a Welsh national, actually. Mm. Is the Hennessy, or you know, now the Carl Gold Cup. So it wouldn't surprise me if a couple of these went on and performed at a very high level in the, in the Welsh national. But then we also had the Tri Town run at Navin here yesterday and you know there could be a Welsh national winner in that race so uh, yeah there were two good trials maybe for, for you know the handicap chases to come in the next few weeks um, but other than that I didn't feel we had a, a standout goal cup performance yeah we didn't have a Bobsworth and we certainly didn't have a Denman but what we did have was a, a yeah. terrific finish and uh, yeah, terrific a really finish, yeah. a really good performance from, from the first three I would say even the first four um, Aintree is very much on the agenda for Lamilos. In terms of the Grand National and the different fences that you'd be approaching there, how do you think he'd cope with that? Yeah, I thought he jumped well enough. I mean, the skeletons are renowned for uh, you know getting their horses right for say um, them sort. You know, you, you know, there's a kind of an emphasis with the skeletons that they do very good school and they're from the show jumping background. They probably wouldn't run a horse over them national fences unless they thought, you know, he was going to operate. And um yeah, I think there wouldn't be a problem with the jumping. Um I just didn't think I just didn't feel it was a they went they went quite fast, I thought, in the race. And um they always tend to go fast. And then usually a top class horse will come to the fore, say a, a Denman twice or a, you know, even uh Martin Pipes horse years ago or Vic I think he won Hennessy or maybe it was Celestia Gold one of them and uh, you know or, or you know there was always a grade one kind of a horse thrown in there in a handicap mm. and either dropped down and you know Willie's Willie's horse there a couple of years ago kind of grade one horses that just you know went on to be either run well in a Gold Cup win a Gold Cup or be placed in a Gold Cup I just didn't feel looking at that that any one of them would actually go on and do that and um you know, so I suppose that's why I thought maybe 
I thought it was a, just a drop in quality in, 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 in that race this year and obviously the Tritown here in Navin yesterday. I thought it was a drop in quality. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, we're about to talk about a winner of a handicap, but it, in previous years you would have seen Lompress in this race. And I understand why they didn't go yeah, for it, but yeah, yeah that, that type of horse you would see here. Um, in, in terms yeah. of future plans with uh, some of the horses who were beaten, it's amazing to think Jericho Rock has yet to win over fences, but that's a blessing for the pipe team in that they can find a nice novice chase for him, which he's a solid moral for. Uh, he's going to go for, the, he is going to go for the Welsh national. And that was in my head. Um, as you were, as you were talking about these races and these horses, about where they could go next, that one of the pipe horses could go there. He was asked about both. And, um, apparently they're working backwards from the 2024 grand national, uh, according to Brian Drew, who's one of the co-owners of Jericho Rock, but the Welsh National will come next. And they mentioned extreme tests of stamina really suiting him. I can see the not-quite-four-miler, once again, amateur riders chase being very much the agenda for him at, at the Cheltenham Festival. Um, but the Welsh National would be very intriguing for him, and that, what a race that would be to break his duck in. Uh, and Remastered won't go to Chepstow. They don't think that the extreme stamina would suit him, but he will be going to Haydock for one of the big one of the big staying chases there. Um, and they're very capable of and will win a big prize, uh, both of them, and, and they deserve that now at this point. Yeah, they will. They look that way anyway, especially in England at the minute anyway, in terms of the quality of handicaps that are there at the minute. Um, probably the Grand National Trial of Haydock would suit them even there in mm. February. But yeah, there, there's probably something before that even. But um, yeah, no, they were, they were. It was. It was. It was. It was a grand race. I just thought it lacked a Grade One horse. Yeah, I, I it would love race. It was a good race to watch. It was a good finish, good jump performance, and again stamped you know, the authority that the skeletons are putting on the on the on British racing right now at the weekends and uh, especially Saturdays. And um, yeah, I just I just felt it lacked yeah a real quality horse. A million in prize money already for Dan Skelton this season. Just this season, he's already on a million. Eight point seven million in the last five years. It's it's pretty extraordinary stuff. There was a sting in the tail though, and well, there was for Harry. There was for yeah. Harry. You know, there was, and I thought I felt, yeah, I felt it was. You know, he got a seven day ban and a and a two thousand pound fine, didn't he? Something in around two thousand nine hundred. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's, I felt that was a bit excessive. Um, he went to, he went two over, I think, with the, with the whip. Mm. Um, three. You know, it was the different, it, three over. Three, was because it, if he did Apologies. it one, if the new rules were in place, and this is what I'm very keen to get your thoughts on, if the new rules were in place and he did it one more time, he'd have been thrown out. I think when the new rules are in place and it's switched, you're not allowed to put in the forehand. That's right. I don't, I don't think you'll be able to do it. You won't go, I don't think you'll go over three or four times. It's harder to, to ride the horse. It's harder to keep in balance and in rhythm with the, with the new rules coming in. Um, uh, I don't agree with them. Um, but my opinion isn't going to matter. Um, I just don't agree with them, but I don't agree with the lads breaking the rules now either. 
Um, you know, I just don't, I don't get it. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought the fine was very harsh. I mean, look, I rode in England for quite a, a long time, a good period of time, and I, 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 I just think that two thousand nine hundred pounds is a, is a big, it's a, it's a big impact. Um, he, he, at the end of the day, he won, he won the race. Now, it's not so bad for Harry right now because he won it for his brother, so it's okay. Like that, it has extra significance. But if it was for say another trainer. You know, you you it would certainly take the shine off off winning the race. Mm. Um, you know, lads in England aren't making. Harry Skelton is making a fine career for himself, and he's plenty. He's making plenty of money. But if it was a different jockey on another horse for a different trainer, uh, you know, they're just not making enough money, and it's it's absolutely. Uh, in in my experience, and I I speak from the heart. Um, there's no money to be made in England unless you're riding in the top five. If you're the top, if you're a top five jockey, you're probably making a few pound. Anything under that, you're breaking even. And below the top fifteen, you're probably losing. Whoa. And it's not even funny uh, how bad the prize money has gone in the UK. Jockeys only earn 7.5% of the winning percentage. And I think it's 5% per second and 5% for third. It might even be a bit less for third or any place after after anything after second. It's even lower, I think. I mean, you're talking very small money in a world where inflation is just taking over. The UK is in a recession. Diesel's gone through the roof. Expenses, everything. So, to be honest, that is a significant blow. Uh, just not maybe for Harry Skelton is doing okay, and I'm sure he'll deal with it fine. But if it was a different jockey on a different horse, I just think that would have been too harsh. I think the stewarding is too harsh. I think uh, there's a lot of people there in British racing that need to make a few tough decisions, and it's just about having the balls to do it and make the tough decisions and everyone else will fall in behind. Everyone else will row in behind if the right people can just make a few tough calls and, you know, fining jockeys and banning jockeys. Uh, they just need to have a bit more respect for jockeys. Uh, jockeys just aren't getting enough respect. Um, they're trying to do a very dangerous job. People don't realize how dangerous and difficult it is. And, uh, you know, for Harry Skelton, £2,900 is fine. Um, but for another jockey on another day, that wouldn't be fine. For literally three slaps over. Mm. Three over. I mean, that's not... When we're talking about a pro cush, you know, I'm, and I'm not going back to... I don't want to get into that argument, but the the basically... It was the winning and losing of the race, like. Yeah. So, um, you know, they're trying to obviously knock the hunger out of jockeys, win at all costs, sort of thing. And you know, I'm not a really a, a, a whip jockey or a pro push jockey, and I get plenty stick for people thinking I'm not trying hard enough. But I'm I'm trying to use my brain. 
But that's your style, though. That's that's my you... that's my style. But that's people are going to have to change to my to that kind of style mm. because they can't. They'll have to conserve more and use their brains to try and finish the race better, rather than making it a test of stamina and getting into this ding dong battle for four out, five out in a race, and um, kicking for home and and you know having to use the the pro cush to keep the horses at maximum focus over that distance under pressure and tired. So I, I just don't, I don't understand it. I think it's, I thought that was a shocking uh, outcome to the, to the car gold cup on Saturday, to be honest. And I, you know, I don't have any, uh, real, you know, not like being any real sympathy for Harry Skelton. I just, I know what's right and what's wrong. I felt that was a bit wrong. I felt that was a bit wrong. Didn't look bad. Created a great finish to the race. Didn't look bad. It was the difference between winning and losing. I actually thought, saw the head on it. Saw Harry using the... He didn't even have it in the forehand. He was using the the side the way they wanted them to ride. You know, the new rules way. He actually had it in the side. in the Not in the forehand, in the, in the backhand. So, uh, you know... You can't hit a horse very hard in the backhand, to yeah. be honest. Um, you know, and so that's my that's all I have to say on it. And uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my way forward anyway. Well, there's a number of I don't think I don't think there's too many jockeys out there doing too much wrong. The way I don't think so. I certainly I think don't think there is doing anything wrong. No, I don't think so. And I, and I think it's improved. And I don't hear anyone coming out and saying fair play to the jockeys. They did make, they have made a huge effort since the new whip rules came in. I haven't heard anyone say that. Mm. Um, you know, I think they deserve a bit more credit. They've had to change. There's been people riding a long period of time. I came up in the in the era of, you know, I, I actually rode with Conor Dwyer, Charlie Swan, Norman Williams. And, and I came through the era of Ruby Walsh, Barry Garrity. Timmy Murphy, Paul Calvary, and now I'm, in, I'm still going, and I've seen every sort of way the whip was used, and I think only someone like me, or senior, of the same age that's still riding, say for example Tom Scudamore, and Paddy Brennan in the in the UK, can actually verify how good the jockeys have done since that change came in. Only young jockeys that have been riding the last few years won't know the difference. So I think, uh, you know, I think it's a disgrace that, you know, that jockeys aren't getting enough credit for changing and changing without complaining have changed their trade and how they've learned and have tried to adapt to a new era of whip rules to make the sport a better place, Harry Skelton included. And to go banning him for seven days, I don't believe he needed to get fined £2,900 or the other way around. I don't believe he needed to get banned seven days. I mean, that, you know, that, if, that he got his, fined, if he got fined, you know. That took his prize money you know, from, from over ten grand to 7700 which if that is a young jockey, that's brutal. Like that, that is pretty, well, pretty brutal. But the other thing to say is that 
I, as things stand, that, though, and, and what's he going? Yeah, but how, what's he going to miss in the seven days? This, going to miss another 5,000. Exactly, yeah. To, to 10,000. Yeah. So, like, that's that's the reality. So it's not actually that. It's what he's going to lose as well as that. Yeah. So he might have lost 2,900 pound there, but he's going to lose another 10,000 over that period of seven days. And he's okay in that there's the loyalty between himself and, and Dan and therefore right. the owners that are that's there. Right. But if that's another jockey, that jockey may very well end up losing a ride completely. Because because if if you came in right. and the owner gets on well with you and you win, then it may very well be the case. So they go, oh, we'll get Dennis next time. You know, nothing mm-hmm. nothing against mm-hmm. the kid, but let's go for Dennis instead. Uh, the other thing that, that really doesn't sit right with me on this at all is uh, there is time for the BHA to change this, and they are now the supreme authority of racing, so they they can't be overruled. Uh, and and perhaps there will be a change made to it between now and then. But as things stand, if Harry Skelton had gone over and the rules were in place now. So he hits him one more time. He's disqualified, except he's not. As things stand, on the day, they would have to endure being handed a trophy that they knew full well would be taken off them. That's how this is currently set up. It's set up in a, yeah, yeah, whatever, process it out so that all the sports books can pay and the bookmakers on track, they can pay out on the day and go away now and don't bother us anymore. Yet, I'm sitting there having back to remastered and Jericho Rock, and I'm waiting to get paid out. I've done the reverse forecast. Am I getting the the reverse forecast now? No. No, I'm not. Am I getting paid out in the winter? I don't know. I should be, but it's first past the post, and so they're going to give the trophy to the winning connections of the first past the post, have the trophy presentation, have the photographs taken, be interviewed on ITV, be interviewed on Sky, be interviewed on RTV, and then the race is taken off them and the runners-up know full well they're going to be given the race, yet they don't get to enjoy that day. Now, what kind of nonsense yeah, is that? It is nonsense, Emmett. It is. And I just cannot see why they just don't just get rid of the whip or the pro push, whatever you want to call it. Oh, just Jesus. get rid of it. Well, this is just, what, just, this just is what they've done, though. They've backed just, us into this position where they are going to, to do that. Yeah, because- it's, it's, it's been heading this way for a few years. I've been saying it's to come back to Ireland and back in Ireland six years. There will be no whip in so many years' time. There will be no whip. You won't be allowed to use it. Now, let me ask just you this. Bring it in. Let me ask just you this. Bring it in. Do you feel like the Pro Kush will be gone in the UK? And we're being deadly serious here. Do you think it'll be gone in the UK, but it will still be in Ireland? Because Ireland are not following this this new rule change. They have no interest oh, in it. They always follow Emmett. They oh, always God. follow. They always, everything happens in England first and then Ireland follows. So, like, if it works in England, they will watch how it works in England before they make a call on it in Ireland. That's what they've always done. Every rule, everything like that, it always happens first in England. They will then follow suit in Ireland. So, whether it's 12 months down the road, 24 months down the road, Ireland tend to follow. But you look, for example, the saunas. The saunas were gone in England. Next thing they weren't, they weren't coming back in Ireland. Yeah. Simple as. And that's the, that's the reality. So, um, yeah, I think Ireland will follow down the, down the, down the road um, because Irish jockeys will be at a disadvantage in Cheltenham and Aintree and anywhere else in the UK because they'll be going over having ridden in Ireland within Irish rules and it's very, very hard to adapt for one day. You need time to adapt. And there'll be plenty of lads sitting at home listening to this saying, sure, I'd be able to do that, no problem. 
You wouldn't. In the heat of the battle at Cheltenham, you wouldn't. Yeah, when the I adrenaline is pumping. Ah, yeah, I couldn't see Patrick Mullins coming up the hill in the four-miler. And he's been riding under Irish rules against Jean Andrews, who's been riding in British rules. And she's not hitting. And he pulls it out. He'd find it hard, you know, if it's a ding-dong battle. There's only going to be a head in it. I find it. I think Patrick could find it very hard not to, not to at least hit him one. Um, so, like you know, that's that's where I'm. I think they should just, in my opinion, it won't sit right with a lot of people. But if able, you know, it, I think everyone would be just better off if they just said we need to have a month's trial without using the the, the whip or the pro coach behind the saddle, just down the shoulders, and. Uh, I think the whole place would be better for it. There would be no more suspensions, no more people getting days banned, losing livelihood, losing money. It's absolutely so ridiculous the way it is now. Cannot believe it. Um, how they've let it go like this. I suppose to have a lot of people in their ears saying, you know, no, you can't get rid of this. The whip, sure, how stupid will it look without it? And then you have a lot of people saying, you know, yeah, you need to ban it to make racing better. You know, I just think just make a call now. Do a month's trial without the whip. How, without it. How can't vital. Use it, can't I, use it at all. I know that your style lends itself to being much quieter with the whip, but how vital a tool is that in racing just full stop for, for those who are new to the sport and are coming in? the fact that you have that pro cush device to be able to control a racehorse, how vital is that? And how, how much of a negative would it be if that's suddenly taken away from you? Well, I think people don't understand them at like the full concept of, of the pro cush or, you know, they don't like, um, they think it's there in the end for the end of the race. I never used the whip in that way. I never think about using the whip that way. Like, I think you need it down at the start because horses are cold. They're walking in and they're a bit cold or they're looking at the tape. You need to be slapping them down the shoulder, keep them focused, keep them focused. You know, you'll have horses whipping around at the start in a championship race if you don't have the whip in your hand. No one ever thinks about that. You go down, you show them the first hurdle you show them the hurdle, the show hurdle, and they're a bit jibby. Say a maiden hurdle, they're a bit jibby going in. They're afraid. Give them a little slap down the shoulder. It just gets them to go in that extra step. Gets them in. And you'd often see a horse's nose going down and sniffing the hurdle because they're a little bit weary of it. You know, horses are, horses, you know, the horses are flight, you know, so, you know, the little tap down the shoulder helps there. So it helps jumping off. You often have a horse in a race. He's ducking and diving in a maiden hurdle, left to right. You need to have your stick in your shoulder, down the shoulder, your whip, attaching them. You need to have, you know, you need to have, you need to have it in 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 your hand, the correct hand. It helps to guide a horse around the bend. Helps to keep a horse straight. Uh, you know, I've often, you know, you get a horse into a great rhythm, and just as they're starting to come under pressure, say four out, three out. It's, you know, it's good to get them focused down to a fence. You'd often see, or, you know, I'd often maybe use it down the shoulder, one, two, three. Um, it's, a, it's, a good, it's a good way of making the horse uh, 
feel and sense what you're trying to make them do. And uh, yeah, there's all of them things that the, that the whip is actually very, very, very useful for and that no one ever talks about. And obviously the end of a race, uh, you know, it's good to keep them focused and in a straight line, you know. Um, you see a lot of horses weird going from left to right under pressure. You'll see that a lot over Christmas now and into the new year when the ground gets very deep. You know, and that's where I feel that jump jockeys, especially jump jockeys, are certainly not getting enough credit for making the effort they have made. Um, you know, and people are just banning. You know, it it feels to me that the authority are like, so we're going to punish you badly now because we're sick of you jockeys not getting the whip rules right. But instead, I think they should be saying, you know, we've changed mass. We've made massive changes to the whip rules, and we're not going to absolutely crucify you if you go a couple over. Um, and that's that. I would have approached it different, and that's you know, instead of trying to bully jockeys, because mm. poor jockeys aren't silly; they're not stupid. You know, the horsemen, especially top jump jockeys. They're not stupid. Um, but I'm sick of people saying as well, like, you know, oh, sure, why can't they count? You know, why can't jockeys count? Well, I don't count. I ride on pure instinct and feel. I do not count. I feel if a horse is curling up underneath me, I put the stick down. If a horse is thriving for it, I use it another one. I use it another one. I keep them going forward. I keep them going forward. It's all down to how it feels, and that's basically it. Horsemanship, and uh, it's never, it's never over exaggerated. You know, you know, you could go back to races only 10, 15 years ago, and they were, you were allowed to hit a horse fourteen times. Yeah, you know, now we're only hitting them seven, great. So, like, I wish they weren't so hard on, on jockeys. You know, jockeys should get a bit more credit for that. I don't like this bullying, bully come down hard on the jockeys. I no, don't I like agree that. with that. Yeah. I, a, agree I think that. that's a disgrace. And it's, it's the authorities trying to teach, uh, trying to make jockeys look like they're the ones that are wrong and they're the ones that are, uh, you know, they're children and, you know, they need to be taught and we'll ban you and it's your mistake. Well, I'm not, I'm not into any of that. I think it's 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 all a load a load of bullshit to be honest. And um, I think there should be an awful lot more credit given to jockeys for the, for you know for the for the effort they have made with the, with the whip. And uh, I'm sure they got it right eventually. But for me, it's it's not going too right at the moment anyway. No, it's not. And I completely agree with that. I was talking to one of my colleagues at Talksport today, and. Um, she was saying that every time she was saying she was listening to five live on Saturday and they made a reference to the fact that Harry Skelton got banned for use of the whip. Um, and she then proceeded to say, but they do that all the time. Anytime there is any kind of a whip breach, you can be certain that five live will mention it 
Talk sport, very, very little. If it's absolutely essential that it be mentioned, like if it's a big story, of course we'll talk about it. And and we debate the whip constantly. But Five Live and the BBC in general jump on it. Anything that's negative to do with racing, they're all over it. Um, And this is who this cows to. This cows to those who just... Obviously, the BBC are still broadcasting racing on radio, and John Hunt's terrific. But there is an agenda within the halls of the BBC uh, and within other broadcast institutions as well. I've talked about the animal rights groups before, and I've debated the head of PETA on talk radio. Um, They want racing gone, and this is who this is counting to. This is just ceding more ground to them. There was nobody but up I in arms. Agree. Nobody was up in arms. No, and neither I do I. I, I, I would love it if, if the BHA had the gumption to go, listen, we're we're now the top dogs, right? We've had the governance restructure. Nobody can veto us anymore. If we decide that we want to take 300 races out of the calendar, they're gone. If they decide they want to do something with the whip, they're the ones who get to do it. And if there was a, if there was a bit of gumption there, because there's a lot of negativity surrounding this sport, this is not... The whip is not a welfare issue. As Mahan O'Brien said on the show, there is no peer-reviewed study that says that the whip causes pain to racehorses. You work with racehorses every day of your life. You know that that's the case. They they don't feel pain from it yeah, I know. unless I, it's I, excessively I, used. I, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry now to cut you short on it, Emmett, but I wouldn't even bother any of that kind of stuff what anyone else says doesn't entertain me at all. Yeah, just, no, you're, you're right. Opinion, only, only, only my opinion aren't treated very well and the whole thing is all I care about. I don't really care what anyone else says about it. It's just my opinion. That's how I feel about it and that's it. I had no argument about whatever else. I think they should just take the whip away. Just let us use it down the shoulder. See, I'd go, story, I'd go the other way. I'd say, let's just do away with these numbers. This was a mistake in the first place and we're just, just say, oh, we're putting it on ice. We're, oh, we're, we're suspending that, won't, that won't happen. No, of course it won't. Of course it won't. Because it won't happen. Because it's, it's more likely. It's more likely what I've said will happen. Oh yeah. Oh well, it absolutely it, it is. It won't. It, it, so I, I would just instead of wasting all this time, <laughs> people and finding jockeys, just, just jump get to, to it. The pint. Get rid of it. Just do Jeez. it. Just do it. Just have a trial. Have a month's trial. Have one month's trial of racing that we can't use the whip behind the saddle. That's it. And stop banning jockeys. I don't care what anyone else says. I don't care about all that faff in England about the whip. I don't care. I only care about how jockeys are treated. And jockeys are being treated very badly over the whip. Yeah. And everyone is forgetting about everyone's forgetting about it. People are getting banned left, right, and center. Jockeys they are getting fined. It's absolutely ridiculous. They're knocking the edge off jockeys. So like a jockey now... You, years ago when you're starting out you used to be questioned your hunger used to be questioned oh I wonder is he hungry enough and one of the big things was I wonder is he strong enough mm. oh he's not very strong in a finish well now you're totally knocking all of that out of it now it's going to be oh, is the jockey clever enough is he clever enough because he's not going to look near as strong he's not, no jockey's going to look as strong now as they ever were and like no jockey can ever break previous jockey's records yeah, because they're going to change. They're going to they're going to change the rules into way. So now, now you can't even say the greatest jockeys in the past are the greatest jockeys ever because they were allowed beat beat up horses. The champion jockeys now, the champion jockeys in ten years' time when there's no whip, they're going to be the best jockeys ever because they were able to be champion jockey without the whip. 
So that that's that's everyone is forgetting that. And the, the, all I have to say is, I don't care about what anyone else says in, in England about the whip. I don't care. It doesn't affect me. It's nothing to do with me, and I wouldn't even get into an argument about it. All I have to say is, jockeys are not being treated right since they brought in the rules. They are not. They should be getting a lot more credit for bending over backwards to make it work to help racing. I agree. Instead of getting banned and fined and losing out, I don't like jockeys getting suspended, uh, Emmett. It's not a. It's it's a it's a bad thing. Jockeys shouldn't be getting suspensions and big suspensions. They should not, especially in national hunting race. It's a very very difficult sport, extraordinarily difficult, and everyone is losing sight of that. It's a very dangerous sport, and that's all I have to say on it. No more. That whip consultation team have an awful lot to answer for. And they might be nice people, and they might have been coming from it, coming at it with the best of intentions, and we're, we're here to do what's that's best for the now. sport, but it's blown up. That's it. They've, so. they've blown it up, and they have an awful lot to answer for, in my opinion. Um, right. I, I, think it's, I think it's done. It, it, and th- there is a notion that, oh, well, this will stop. That this will, there won't be, jockeys won't excessively use the whip once these rules are in place. That's nonsense. You've explained and you've outlined exactly why that's nonsense. Because the adrenaline will be flowing and you're going to be in a battle to win with the adrenaline pumping, the heat of battle. If you've got the chance to win a major race at the Cheltenham Festival, which there's only going to be five weeks of a betting in period before Cheltenham comes around when, when these rules are enforced... You just said you don't count. You can be absolutely certain there's plenty of jockeys who don't. And, and a jockey who gets beaten in a driving finish, there's going to be people going, hang on a second, would he have won if he could have used the pro push more? Would she have won if she could have used the pro push more? Did she stop using the pro push because she knew she was going to go over? And what was the point? Because the race was going to be taken off her anyway? Like that's, that's where the sport is going. And, and, and then it's not even a VAR situation where it gets solved there and then and you find out whether or not the goal was scored. No, you got to wait. You got to wait till next week. Never mind the fact that it's a big Saturday handicap. On a, on, a pos- on a positive image, on a positive note, it gives a jockey an extra excuse if he doesn't win. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I look at it. <laughs> well, boss, we'd have won if it wasn't for those pesky rules. Right, there was uh, there was a Cheltenham Festival winner in a handicap chase, uh, Lon Presse won the uh, Betfair Exchange Rehearsal Handicap Chase at Newcastle. Uh, another one of the famous trio to have been taken out of Ascot because of the ground. Uh, he rocks up at Newcastle, and uh, Newcastle very much benefited from, from Ascot's uh, ground situation. Uh, this was a terrific performance, particularly giving the weight away that he was, um, and beating a very progressive horse in, in into overdrive as well. I do remember Ruby Walsh saying at a Cheltenham preview, well over 15 years ago, that ah, we make too much about weight on horses. They're big, particularly in handicap chases. Horses who run in those races tend to be big beasts of horses. They're not going to mind the extra few pounds. That being said, to carry 12 stone against a horse who's got 10 stone two and win first time out was pretty damn impressive. What did you make of Lompresse? I, uh, thought, I thought it was just very good, solid, jumped well. Uh, Travel great, and uh, that was a lovely starting point for the season. Uh, he's a very good horse, and um, I think he's going to be very competitive in this year's Gold Cup if it's soft ground. 
and uh, he's very ground dependent. Um, he'll be even more effective on soft, heavy ground, and uh, I think he's a lovely. It's you know, I think he's a lovely race horse. But the only thing I'll say is a high senior now got well beat since uh, in Weatherby. He ran very bad the last day, and that's the horse he beat last year at Cheltenham Festival. Mm. Um, Gillard uh, like he was just very impressive last year. I thought he was the horse of the weekend. I thought he was the horse to take away from the weekend. I thought that was a goal, good goal cup trial for him. And um, yeah, you know he's he's very good, and uh, it would be nice to see Venetia with a nice horse, and uh, he's going to be very competitive in the goal cup. He's got a good each way chance in the World Cup. I put it that way. Yeah, big time. Uh, he's rock solid. Um, I'm very he intrigued. Rock as solid to, each way. Yeah, I, I'm very intrigued to see what a Hoysenor does on on his next start because that was woeful the other day. But he's better than that. He, we know uh, he is in. Oh, he is, he's yeah, in the he, King George, but they sound very lukewarm on it. They don't sound like they want to go at all. And and there there had been a quote from about a month ago that he wasn't going to run on a Grade One until the Gold Cup, which just perplexes me but anyway he's 6.0 for the King George behind Braveman's Game and Hitman Braveman's Game 2.38 if you didn't hear Harry Cobden was on the show last week and I say this because I was asking him about the decision Braveman's Game Hitman like is that you're sticking with Braveman's Game and he went no it's not that simple that it is genuinely a decision for him and he won't make it until the week of the race and until they've both done their pieces of work so Hitman obviously impressed him the other day um, and I did say maybe you're just trying to keep Connections happy, but no, he he sounded like. Well, uh, there's no there's no decision. There's no decision for Harry Cobb. Like he's going to ride Braveman's game. Yeah, I would be shocked if he doesn't. I would be shocked if he doesn't. That's the that's that's the way. Well, look, if he thinks if if he thinks now there's a decision to be made genuinely, then Braveman's game isn't as good as Tarsanias. Yeah, you know that's the reality. He obviously feels there's a bit of touch of a hole in him. Like they mightn't stay, or there must be some negative. Or to me, there's no decision. Like he'll ride Braven's game. He's the highest rated. He's fancied. Onik has been saying for two years he's a King George horse. Yeah. And uh, he'll get his great, get his ground, and uh, you know he won't have Alahoa to to run against. And uh, that still doesn't mean Willie Mullins won't send something with a chance. I mean, he won it with a complete outsider last year, which I presume will run it again. Run yeah. Again Tornado Fire goes back and have it. And and have a chance, and uh, you know he could actually run a grey horse in it again. Actually, that fell, and uh, you know, look, that's not going to be an easy race. A brave man's game is not home and holes or anything. Uh, to be honest, it Paul Nichols, like Paul Nichols, might win it with any of them. Mm. Um, basically, you're saying effectively that he's so lucky in the race that you know he's had such great luck in the race, such great record in the race that you know that he's obviously going to have a chance, but. To me, none of them two are, are home and hoes like King George now. No, I uh, there's absolute there's absolute doubts about Braveman's game stamina, and there would be doubts about Hitman's quality, class to win it. Um, uh, you know, would he be good enough? Uh, I don't think there's a decision to be made there for Harry Cobden. Though, um, it was my child to be writing. I know what I'd be writing. Well, I can put in a good word for you. And then see, can you get the right on yeah, Braveman's game? Give him a ring for me there, Emmett, will you? Sorry, Louise. De- Dennis is going to be gone for Christmas. He said it straight over to Kempton. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. He's going to be on board him in a Braveman's game. Yeah, I don't mean, listen, well, they're both big chances, but I, I was I was amazed at how 
I was amazed at, at how much of a torture chamber it was for him to, to make the decision and he wasn't prepared to, to call it and he did say look it's going to be the week of the race so um, well, uh, I would say Envoy Allen would have a good chance though. yeah I was going to ask you about him actually so he's he's bounced back at, at Down Royal Galvin was oof. anyway um, was was that Envoy Allen very much back to the, the standard and the quality that we've expected that we expected him to reach or was it that that race kind of fell apart well look it was a mixture of both the race wasn't probably what we were expecting. I mean, Galvin disappointed. But Conflated was the one to take out of the race. Mm. He's the one to take out of it. But I was very impressed with Envy Allen. Very impressed with his jumping. That was a very good performance. He definitely has an each way chance in the King George. And absolutely. And a nice substitute um, for... Um for connections as well, given that Alho is, is not going to make the race. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Where, where, where will a Protectorat go? I believe Protectorat goes to Cheltenham for the for Trials Day. Trials. I would. He's the horse I would back for next year's King George. I think he'll train him for the King George next, next year. He's very effective on a flat track. He's got King George written all over him. If he had him in the same form for the King George he had him, as he had him for this year in the Betfair chase, he'd win the King George next year. That's a fair shout. I got him badly mm. wrong in the Betfair chase a couple of weeks ago. So, yeah, the uh, the humble pie is, yeah, is still was very, consumed. I, I was very impressed with him. You know, he had a very hard race in the Gold Cup. Yeah. The winner the winner hasn't actually got over the Gold Cup yet. A third. Mm. And Protectorat had an extraordinary hard race in the World Cup to finish third. Was he third? Yeah. yeah, that's right. And then I think he ran a, did he run an entry after that? He did and bombed he said, out. Yeah, he had a very tough year last year, that horse. To come back and do that in the Bedford Chase was very impressive. I was very impressed with that horse in the Bedford Chase, just the way he travelled and jumped through the race. And he looks like a big tank of horse. I say he was probably a bit on the weak side last year. He's probably strengthened up this year. Yeah, it was a breathtaking performance He's at Haydock. Yeah, he, he, he's definitely ours. I'd, I'd fancy for King George next year. I'd have fancied Absolutely. him for, for this year's renewal, but Dan Skelton has made his mind up, and, and so he's not going to go. But um, Cheltenham Trials Day and, and their dream of a Gold Cup for Protectorat is, is alive and well. And Lampresse, it appears mm-hmm. as though, is going to be skipping uh, the King George. He's remains in it, and you can back him at 6.0 right now, but uh, connections are saying it would need to, to water. It would need to rain... Well, the way the Clark, Clarks Heavily. of the Course are, are talking now about rain, Clark of the Course said a couple of weeks ago, oh, we put X millimetres of rain on the course. What? You put what on the track? Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, so let, let's see how it pans out. But it looks as though he's going to skip the King George, which is a shame. Um, you were talking earlier on about the potential lack of, of quality that we've seen in the Troy Town and the Hennessy over the years. Uh, the big dog came, came out on top for Peter Fahey which was a, a great training performance. Keith Donahue on board, terrific for, for them. Lifetime ambition for Jessica Harrington was second. Uh, and Gordon then had a, a number of horses, uh, chasing home in third, fourth, and fifth with Jet Judy, Coco Beach, and the favourite frontal assault. Um, yeah, definitely not a Gold Cup contender, but surely a, a Grand National contender in the big dog. A Welsh Grand National. Mm. Welsh Grand National. I fancy him for the Welsh Grand National. <laughs> I don't think the ground in the entry would be soft enough for him in the spring. If we had a wet entry, he probably would have a squeak. If he had a wet Irish national, he would have a squeak in that. But 
for me, for me, he's, he's got Welsh na- national written all over him. He was very well fancied for last year. He's obviously clearly gone up the weights now. Maybe going over with a different weight this year. But he was very well fancied for it last year and something went wrong after the second or third fence when he pulled up. But yes, you would have to question the quality of the Tritown when you had Coke Beach in fourth and Dead Judy in third, you know, an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old that have kind of been there and done it and bought the T-shirt and they've gone out the other side. And uh, yeah, you'd question the quality. He got a very good ride, actually, after the Keith on our I, got around the inside, he got the run of the race, and he got a very clean run around, you know, especially with 11, 10. He said he stalled out very early to be handy down the inside, and it worked out for him. Um, he, I thought the second horse got a terrific ride, but it's you never see a horse make all at Navin and win. It's a very hard thing to do, and he nearly did it. He got a very good ride from a young claimer there, Connor Smithers, I thought he got a good ride. And, uh, you know... I have to say that, uh, you know, the, the form of that race might not stack up when you have Dead Duty and Cocoa Beach in close proximity there to the finish, but and Frontal Assault was actually very well answered. He, he probably ran a little bit below expectations, but um, yeah, big dog, good horse, very good training performance. Uh, it's nice to see a different trainer winning that big race as well, you know, big handicap and uh yeah, he's, he's got good form, the big dog. If you look back through his form, you know, his bumper form, his hurdle form, his chase form, he's got he's got a real big one in him, you know, and he's he's only nine. So, he's you know, he's in his prime now anyway. He's in his prime now. So, uh, he's won the Munster National, and now he's won the Tri-Town, so he's definitely going in the right direction to land one of them big, big staying chases. For me, I would say it's the Welsh National next month. And he that, is... would be, that would be the one. He is currently 13.0, so 12 to 1, which is the same price as Jericho Rock, and I would be intrigued in both of them. I would prefer Jericho Rock, obviously, because I'm going to fall over a cliff with that horse, um, but the big dog, yeah, you're right, he was 11 to 1 shot for it, and I think he was a single-figure price in the morning. He was very, very well fancied for the Welsh National, and um, it obviously it didn't happen for him there, so you would like to think that's where they would go, but a talk of entry right now... They might, they might, they might, they might not, but... It, I would have said that's the race for him. Yeah, you know, I would say that he he's very ground dependent. Like he wants soft ground, and uh, you know, um, I think the ground in Leverstown won't be soft enough for a Paddy Power. Yeah, and I think I think there's a I think the Welsh nationalist would have to be. You know, it's it sits in well with his timeline. Four weeks to the Welsh national, five weeks. So, uh, or in around five weeks, so I'd say I would say that's about it's about right. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think there's there's an awful lot to like about him, and um, mm-hmm. for for Chepstow, and it just makes more sense to target there. We'll we'll see. Maybe they're a little bit sour by the experience last year, but unfinished business in that race and ground. Ah, uh, they're not. They're, they wouldn't be sour. They're no. they're clever enough. They know the way things go in racing. You know, um, they're not. They're not that silly. Like they think, oh Jesus, we're sour. We're not going to go back. They wouldn't be like that. They're clever enough. Sorry, they're a very good trainer, Peter Fahey. And sure, they'd know. You know, they'd know the way it goes. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. Uh, last year, a hoist senior ran that a very impressive winner of the John Frankham novices chase. This year, we had a, a short price favorite in Time Hill who got blown to pieces by McFabulous. Again, it was an embarrassingly small field, uh, just the three runners. McFabulous had good form over hurdles last season. He was third in the entry hurdle. He won 
uh, a nice prize at Sandown at the end of the season. And Time Hill had made a really good start to life over fences, and he's buried him. Uh, just briefly, what did, you, what did you make of this? I'm sure Time Hill didn't, run, didn't jump uh, near well enough. Uh, Mac Fabulous was way quicker, controlled the race, made all, and jumped through the air. He was very fast, jumped very well. But Time Hill just kind of, you know, show jumped his fence. He gave them a lot of air. You know, he was up in the air. He hung a lot in the air. He lost, you know, over three miles. I mean, jumping 22-odd fences. Uh, like, there's Time Hill. He was losing at least a length and a half at every fence, and he's only been beating six and a half lengths. So, you know, I mean, you do the numbers. Um, he just didn't jump well enough. Um, to me, that form isn't good enough. Time Hill is an eight-year-old, rising nine, a bit late in the day to be going chasing. It's kind of a, you know, he might have made a very good chase maybe back in the day, but to me, he doesn't have the heart for it. Uh, he prefers jumping hurdles. He's been hurdling a long time. And that's why he was jumping his fences like that. So I wouldn't read too much into the form. Mac Fabulous, Grand Horse, Paul Nichols, Horse in Great Farm. You know, but he's, he, he's not a horse that I think can rock up at Cheltenham and win anything there. He has no form at the Cheltenham Festival. He hasn't even won at the Cheltenham and he's a trials meeting, although he was second there last January. Stormy Ireland uh, in the real, the real keel hurdle, but well beaten. Um, two and a half lengths, easy. And uh, no, I, I wouldn't be having Mac Fabulous for the Cheltenham Festival anyway. No, neither would I. And <laughs> I think Paul Nichols is pretty lukewarm on that idea as well, but... Uh, Cotto Star Novices Chase is what he's going to go for uh, on his next start, and that hopefully will be a hot race. We shall see, but Time Hill was desperately disappointing. He was good on debut, but he wasn't great, and and this probably means he goes back over hurdles. We'll, we'll see. It, it is, it's always quite concerning when a horse is going over fences this late in their career. Sometimes it works a treat, like Moscow Flyer. In this instance, I'm, I'm not so sure. Um... And that's the 11th success in the race for Paul Nichols, his first one coming back in 1993 when it was run at a different track entirely. Um, uh, briefly on Lucia. So she's made her, her hurdling debut and won pretty damn impressively. Uh, another piece of, of uh, armory for Nikki Henderson to be going to war with and for the big festivals. And she looks like she's got a very, very bright future. Uh, yeah, she's top class. She's a top-class villagus. Um, she was she was a hugely impressive at Newbury. Um, she's in what she's actually in my twenty to follow for the season. Uh, nice. um, she's very, very good, Maria. Very good. Um, lovely performance. Jump beautiful. Travel well. She's already won a listed bumper, and uh, you know she's she's of high quality now. Very high quality. She's got a, a lovely flat. She's actually got quite a good flat pedigree. Mm. Uh, well, she's got a lot of flat in her pedigree, and uh, you know, she, 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 she for me, she's uh, she'll be one of the best mares in, in England and Ireland. I'd say this season. She sets the standard for me, and she's five point for the mares hurdle for the dawn run at the Cheltenham Festival now. And yeah, she's a good price. She's a good price. There's some good mares here now too. Look, it's 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 you know, uh, Cornelius mare is very good, deeply superficial, and uh, I think there's some good mares around. It's going to be a good race that, but this mare is top class. Yeah, she's, it's an amazing story as well. She almost died 
she had a bad injury when she was getting ready for the Aintree listed bumper. And um, I think she, she locked her stiffle and that nearly cost her her life. But here she is um, absolutely tearing it up in a listed race on her hurdling yeah. debut. And damn, she was very impressive. Uh, I mean, she was so good, you'd be interested in her for the Supreme. But the Mayor's Novice Hurdle is there uh, and it may as well be run and uh, you may as well compete in it. Gordon's got a very good one, and I'm sure he's got more. We know Willie's going to have good ones. Um, even Willie's fifth best can sometimes be good enough to win the Mayor's Hurdle. But um, Lucci would be very, very interesting for the Mayor's Novice Hurdle, and, and she's got a, a very bright future. Uh, Classic Getaway is already better over fences than he was over hurdles. He beats Manila Kakuner uh, at Goran Park on a miserable day where the ground was heavy. I thought Manila Kakuner did enough, though, and I would be very keen on him next time out. I imagine both of these will be in action at Christmas time. What did you make of Classic Getaway for Danny and Manella Kakuna for Paul? Yeah, I was very impressed with Classic Getaway now, to be honest. It was no fluke. Um, proper, proper chaser. Uh, real good horse. Um, I, he, he disappointed me a couple of times last season over hurdles. He was a bit keen and he was a bit, you know, things weren't going right for him, but geez, he ended up being a very good horse. Now, the only thing I would say was Paul made the running on uh, on Manila Kakuna and it was a really wet windy day it was very desperate weather at, at, at Gorn on Saturday it was as bad as the day now he's had yet in Ireland and uh, brutal you know yeah Danny just tucked in and got a lead off Paul you know and it's very hard in Gorn Park when that weather is like that to make all and uh, you know you can do it on Manila Kakuna if the likes Classic Getaway isn't in the race you know and there's not a lot in between Um but I, I, all first three of Willie's horses are nice horses that run that beginners, including the third horse who's been beaten, you know, 27 lengths mm. from the second he's been beaten 30 lengths. Uh, he's absolutely nailed on to win a beginners as well. But Manila Kukuna is, is the one to take out. He's, he's, he, he, to, to me, he probably has the most potential to, he'd probably swing that form around in my opinion. Yeah, that was my reading of it. Come, yeah, come, come the Dublin Racing Festival, like to see Manila Kakuna beating Classic Getaway, all hands down. To be honest, yeah, I'd be surprised if the form on better ground isn't isn't switched. Um, for all the Classic Getaway so. is is clearly very talented. He cost an absolute, he cost five hundred and seventy thousand pounds. Mm. Um so. You can buy a small farm for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Classic yeah. getaway or a small farm? I'll take the small farm. Thanks very much. Um, you take it, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. Now, classic getaway could, you know, he could be a gold cup horse. I don't know, but uh, I'd say Manila Kukuna, for me anyway, you know, he's, 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 he looked potentially a very nice horse. Um He's already a great one winner at the Dublin Race Festival last year, albeit he got a very good ride. But he, I think he's run in the Albert Bartlett, his top class. He's a cracker. And a nice guy. And, you know, Paul stuck with him there too, you know. So Paul yeah. must think a lot of him. And, he's, and, you know, he was also only beaten three quarters of a length by the nice guy at Punchestown. So, so, you know, I, 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 I feel that uh, he's, he's, you know, he's very good. And he, he also. He was second in the pint of pint. He didn't win a pint of pint, but he was second to a very good horse called Grand Jury in the pint of pint. So, 
you know, he's, he, he's probably, he's only six. And, uh, so he's coming into his prime and, uh, yeah, top class. I'd say that was a top class beginners, to be honest. Top class. Two, two very good horses. One, one, one is probably potential goal cup horse. And, you know, the other could be the, is it the March, the, the March chase? I would say I I wouldn't surprise me if Manella Kakuna came back a small bit to stay there. It wouldn't I wouldn't surprise me if if Willie didn't stretch him out to the three mile this year over fences and kept classic getaway and stepped him out the three mile or or maybe the other way around even. No, I, I think you're right about maybe that. The I, I would the, the impression I got from the race was classic getaway is going to be delighted when he gets to three miles, whereas Manella Kakuna could stay at this trip. Uh, and do yeah, well, he, he, he could. He could. He could. It looks pacey, doesn't he? So, like, you know, um, that's yeah, in hindsight, but um, Willie Wollens could be listening to this and laughing, <laughs> thinking that we know nothing. <laughs> Willie, Sir Gerard, stick to the plan, champion hurdle, let's go, let's go. Um, Gavin Cromwell's assembling a very nice novice hurdle team, uh, and I like the way you're thinking. It gets the better of Imagine, who you know very well, from Gordon's Yard and Spanish Harlem, who... It was really interesting to watch him. It was like watching the crypto market. Because um, the, the crypto market is unbelievably volatile, and Spanish Harlem was unbelievably volatile in the betting as well. He was he was odds on, then he drifts out to odds against an imagined ghost favourite, then he comes back into favouritism again, uh, and he ends up finishing third. He cost a, a small fortune, basically like the GDP of, of a small... Uh, Eastern European country is the amount of money the Spanish Harlem was, was bought for. Imagine, I know, is, is held in, in pretty high regard. And I like the way you're thinking is the one who gets the job done. Uh, a walk in the park. Gavin Cromwell is, is assembling a very nice novice hurdling team. He's already got a, a really good stable of horses. Uh, and I like this performance. Yeah, I thought it was a good performance. Uh, he's obviously a nice horse. I liked, I liked him when he won. It was a down in Cork. I think he won a, a maiden hurdle down there. Um, he beat a horse of Willie's that actually won a ledger. Yeah, the Swedish said it, wasn't it? But, yeah, but uh, I'd be just a little bit dubious of this form. I'd, I actually wouldn't be surprised if Willie's horse turned the form around with the two of them. Uh, Willie's horse was out of the two to finish in front of him. Willie, the horse, Willie Munz's horse, Spanish Harlem, was only having his first run for Willie since coming from France in June. And uh, imagine it's had a couple of runs, mm. and I know the way you're thinking had a, had a run in car. So actually, I think there's probably more scope in Willie's to improve. And uh, I would actually take Willie's horse out of the race to reverse the form with them too. Mm. Now, Evan Cromwell's horse is probably a very nice horse. I do agree with you. Well, but, I, uh, I like all I three. I, I like the three of these horses. I think that uh, imagine. Yeah, yeah, but I, I don't any. I don't think the top two will, will win. Uh, would win the Cheltenham Festival. I don't get that impression. I just don't think they're good enough yet. Uh, they could keep improving. I mean, they're only four-year-olds. Um, they'd have to, though, in my opinion. Yeah. I, I wonder with Spanish Harlem, given his pedigree, if just get the first run out of the way, um, get him to the track, give him his debut, he's settling into the yard. Uh, it's a race that William Mullins has done well in, but just get him a run, and and now you find something for him over over Christmas time. And I wonder if it'll be more like a Ballymore trip I, I that he goes Sp for. Yeah, I think Spanish Harlem is for me. 
if you want a winner for Christmas, that's him. Like in that, I think he'll win at Christmas. Like yeah, wherever that. he goes, Limerick or or Leperson, I would say for me, he, he's he's the horse I would take out of that race. Spanish Harlem in the tracker. Uh, this was this was a bit of a nightmare for me because both Imagine and Spanish Harlem were in the tracker. Um, I, think I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think it's the same race. Willie ran Gallop and Deschamps in a few years when he yeah, came back from France. I think I think you're right about that. I think you're right about that. Uh, I, I think that's I think that's a good horse, Spanish Harlem. I think he'll beat them too. If it wasn't this race, it was something close enough to it. It was, um, yeah, on this kind of ground. Yeah, he finished second. Kind of ground, uh, uh, he did. He's finished second to a good horse, but like, I absolutely think that that Spanish Harlem will win at Christmas. Let's go. Let's go. Spanish Harlem, up and trip, Christmas time, get stuck in. Doesn't even need to go up and trip. Uh, I just wanted to briefly mention Kalanisi Stark, because this horse for the Oliver Kiernan Yard uh, beat Pink in the Park for Willie Mullins, uh, who was a two and a half, a two and a quarter lengths in the end, uh, was quite strong in the market, but what was very impressive about this, uh, very impressive about this horse was he got into a lot of people's notebooks after his point-to-point victory, and then he rocks up at Goran Park in March earlier this year and just proceeds to win by the 16 lengths, just the 16-length victory, and now makes his hurdling debut and absolutely bolts up as well. Both of those starts were on heavy ground. What did you make of him? To be honest, Emmett, this horse actually broke my heart because I could have bought him. Uh, a, a neighbour of mine in Cork, Alan Hearn, trained him and owned him, and uh, I could have bought him. And I had an owner to buy a horse, and I couldn't. All I could do to take the video, he was out in the field in the summer, and he was going to run the pine pine. They left him off, didn't run him, or maybe they did run him, and he finished fourth, and then they left him off. And uh, the man that had him. You know, he had no lead rope, just a head collar on. And he said, look, if I trot him here <laughs> without a lead rope, would that be enough? And I said, well, you better give it your best shot. And we got a video of him and a couple of pictures of, him, of your man leading him, just his arm, trot, trying to trot him. And he didn't trot well enough. He didn't walk well enough because there's no lead rope. And I couldn't sell him to the owner. And he wouldn't have him or the trainer wouldn't have him. So uh, he went on and he won his pint of pint and he got got sold to Oliver McKiernan and and he, uh, he he uh, he went on and won his bumper very impressively, and uh, oh. he went on and be, and he beat a very good mare here, uh, you know, giving her giving her seven pound as well. But he, this is a fine big horse. This is a good horse, Kalanisi Star, absolutely good horse. Um, and uh, yeah, he's 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 going to uh, he's going to win a few greater races, isn't he? So good horse. Might not be a Grade One horse, but he's definitely a good horse. Yeah, he definitely has a Grade Two in him. Uh, I agree with yeah, you. He might, yeah, it might yeah, not be yeah. great. And it would be easy to think, oh, well, he must be grade one class winning his bumper by 16 lengths and then bolting up on his hurdling debut, beating a well-fancied odds-on Willie Mullins shot as well. But uh, but I, I agree with you. I'm not entirely sure he'll get to that level, well, but well, I, I would expect him to well, agree he, too. Yeah, he beat Monbeg Park in a bumper 16 lengths and Monbeg Park won a maiden hurdling punch down the other day very impressively. So uh, it, that's that's the kind of farm you're looking at. It's, it's, it's definitely a grade two farm. Uh, upgrade three, grade two form. Um, I'm just waiting for Willie's uh, uh, battalion now to to really hit form in the next few weeks, and all of these other horses are going to be pushed into the into the dustbin for the time being. So uh, that's that's kind of what I'm waiting for at the moment now, Emmett. 
it's it's pretty sickening for you, given the fact that you you wanted to to buy the horse, and I don't want to dwell on it too much. But no, it, it no, does. it's not. It's not. It's it's not sickening for me. It's it's I get great great pleasure from it because I knew he was a decent horse, and I was trying to buy him. I was doing right by the man, and uh, no, whether you buy him or not, that's not my. Uh, it, it must be sickening for the man I was going to buy him for, yeah. Oh. But it wouldn't be sick. It wouldn't be sickening for me because I knew I was in the going in the right, you know. Was it, great, right it was a great piece of business from Alan though, because that was one of the things about this horse that I couldn't understand was the the fees. So Alan had bought him for four and a half thousand, which took mm-hmm. an absolute steal. He sells him after his point to point win for sixty five thousand, which mm-hmm. that's that's after his point to point win. You were talking about the the one where he finished fourth. Um, he, he's then won mm-hmm. impressively mm-hmm. and went into a lot of people's notebooks. I couldn't understand why an Irish point-to-point winner was going for 65k, uh, given that so many mm-hmm. people have been, have been talking about him. So clearly there is just something about him that doesn't look the best, but once he's on the track, yeah. it's a different kettle of fish yeah. entirely. Uh, he's a lovely, fine big horse, good horse. Um, you know, he's he's going to make a smashing chase through. He's, he's a lovely recruit for Oliver McKeon. Oliver McKeon's horse are in good form right now anyway. And, uh, yeah, listen, he's 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 a lovely horse. Yeah, nice horse. Uh, another nice recruit is Comfort Zone for Joseph O'Brien, who had a good day on the Sunday uh, at Navan, a son of Churchill. Um, Joseph had trained him on the flat, owned by JP. He switches to jumps and wins by six length. Uh, he'd been really well fancied for the November handicap at Leopardstown and. Or the, or the October handicap, I should say. Uh, and he, he ran a nice race that day. It was a little bit in and out, but he stayed on quite well and looked like he'd be a, a nice jumping prospect. And my goodness, is he a, a very, very good jumping prospect on the basis of this. Ah, yeah, listen, he's, he's grand. You know, I, again, I'm not, I wouldn't get carried away. I mean, yes, it was a very promising, promising debut. Um, Joseph Horses are in very good form right now. Um, there was an awful lot of talk about Willie Mullins' horse. So he was a good horse, um, you know, and he travelled into the straight like a good horse. Um, but, like, you know, in regards to Triumph Hurdle form, or, like, if we're looking for a Triumph Hurdle winner, it's very rare you'd see the Triumph Hurdle winner this time of year. Um, again, I'd like to wait till, you know, I... W- I would say Willie Mullins' horse that won the three-year-old Harlem Ferry off the other day, Simon Muneer and Isaac Swade's horse. He, to me, that looked impressive. Um, more impressive than this. And, uh, you know, it's very hard to take the farm, literally. You know, Poets Cottage is only 11 lengths behind. I mean, uh, made all. Some of them didn't handle the ground. And uh, I thought that was a weak enough three-year-old hurdle, to be honest. Um, you know, you'd probably take the first three home. You'd say, well, these three horses are all going to win nice races. Would it win a triumph hurdle? I'm not sure. Yeah, a lot of water under that bridge between now and the yeah, triumph itself, yeah. and particularly yeah. with the Adonis to come. Um, so whether or not we've actually seen the triumph hurdle runner race yet remains to be seen. But I think that was, to me, that was the most impressive performance I've seen from a juvenile hurdler yet, but that comes with the caveat of, yeah, there's a lot more to see between now and then, including, of course, at Christmas time, when we'll have the, the big race at Chepstow, the big race at Leopardstown. Uh, there'll be a, a lot more to, to see between now and then. Uh, one of the horses I was excited about seeing at Christmas time, I still am, but he was a bit underwhelming, and I wonder 
what um, what the vibe is at, at Gordon's about him is American Mike, uh, beaten by Don Rising. So this was making it a, a good day for, for Joseph O'Brien. Um, he ran out a very impressive winner, but American Mike, ooh, he's a horse that has a, an awful lot of potential. I'm very excited by him. His jumping was good. It wasn't great at Down Royal, but he just really fell apart once they jumped the last year. Um, what was the... What was your reaction to American Mike? And because I mean, he's reading really the story. I was, yeah, I was. Look, I was disappointed to see him be beaten. To be honest, Emmett, you know, he was. There was a lot of talk about him. I hadn't ridden him now, but there was a lot of talk about him. I've actually never ridden Darts. I only rode him out a year ago or so, but I never, never rode him work around. So unless I ride him work, I won't comment on them too much. Um, but yeah, he there was an awful lot of talk about him going into the race. He looked very, very impressive in that ride. Um, he was you'd have to say you would be disappointed with that yesterday. He looked to finish very tired, weakened very quickly, you know, for a horse that stays further than two and a half miles. Um or or we were led to think, you know, that he could be even a belly more sort of horse. Um you would have to say that that was disappointing. Um, and hopefully he's with the right man. So it's up to that man to to, to get him right. Um, I wonder, you know, just could it be, it just could be the fact that Dawn Rising just could be a very good horse. Uh, you know, he's by Galileo. Yeah. And he was rated 102 in the flat. Um, you know, I suppose the thing for me with the race was, I thought they got the fractions pretty right myself. Uh, a lot of people are saying they went uh, too early and they set it up for the for the Joseph O'Brien horse. But uh, the disappointing part for me was that actually Affordable Fury appeared to have American Mike beat at the time when he fell. And for me, that's the piece of disappointing form. Um, Dawn Rising was obviously ridden to run well. And pick up the pieces that they did go a bit quick, but I don't think they went that quick. I don't think they went too quick. They went to fair gallop now, but if they're good horses, they probably should know. You know the pace. They should have been able to go with them, but it could be just the fact that you know, Dawn Rising is a very good horse. It could be that. Uh, he looked very impressive. Um, he, he looked very impressive now, and. You know, it leads me to think how good is Champ Kiley, the horse of Willies that beat him in Galway? There's the big question. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah, that could be, you know, that, that's the line of form you could be taking. And, uh, yes, I would say they're disappointed with American Mike, but right man to get him back, get him back rolling. Hopefully he'll get his mojo back. And, uh, yeah, that's that's all I can say on that. It was, it was disappointing. I wondered with um, with American Mike. I know that Gordon was saying afterwards that he was just very flat, and um, I mean, I, I don't believe for a second that's as good as he is. Like, it can't have been his his performance. It can't have been his best effort. Uh, and I would agree with you about Noel Meads horse. I don't think that it was at all over. I, I wondered if when um, Afrodol Fury when he comes down, did American Mike just get a little bit lonely in front? No, no, because, you know, there's a difference. Like, you can see, if ours gets a bit lonely in front, their stride doesn't really shorten. Like, they just, their head, you can see that they prick their ears and they get a bit lonely. Like, you can just see 
But in America, Mike's case, he absolutely paddled water. He emptied. And uh, that's that was the disappointing thing about American Mike, really. Mm. Uh, for a horse that looks like a real stare. Um, yeah, I was... Uh, I it was, You know, I think or I think Gornel has said in the past that he's obviously a top-class horse. And, um, you know, you'd have to take him at his word for that. Um, like I say, I've never sat in the horse, but... Uh, he, He's going to perform last year. was very good, and he looked to be very good. And he's made an hurdle down rail, but he got a hell of a hard race yesterday. Now it'll take him a while to get over that. So uh, he's he's definitely with the right man. So maybe you know freshen him up, get him back, and um, you know see just see where see where he's at there, and maybe over Christmas or around January time. Keep the faith with American Mike. He's much better than that. Um... He is, yeah, he is. He's much better than that. He's obviously much better than that. Just uh, he is like the, the, even his bumper farm will tell you that. Um, I've got, I've got but, a quick, you know, I've got a quick pop quiz for you. This is almost going to set the tone for the Christmas quiz uh, when we record yeah. that in a in a month's time. Who rode Dawn Rising on his flat debut? Donegal Brain. Hey! Nicely done. I'm just looking at it here. Ah, come on! <laughs> see, I can't. I can't. See, I can't tell lies. That's the thing. I thought I we boxed you in there. Be real clear. I thought I, I could have made myself out to be really clever there. I now, thought but. you're after coming up with a brilliant. I mean, I was thinking to myself, I've got him here now. I've got him because there's no way he'll think of done again. Um, and it's just, it is remarkable that a man who is now a, a multiple Group One winning flat trainer. Was was riding this fella back in in 2019? Um, yeah, he was off the track for two years uh, from his time with Aiden to switch to Joseph, and I'm not sure he'd have won if Noel Meats was had stood up. Okay, okay. Let me ask you a question, Emmett. Uh oh. Name me a horse by the same sire as Dawn Rising to win at the Cheltenham Festival. Oh. Come on, man. Oh, Jesus. Um, and he's the only Cheltenham Festival winner by the Stallion. Cheltenham Festival winner by Galileo. Oh, God. Um, we're going to have to do a, a timer on this. I'm thinking of the of the Triumph, and I'm wondering if I should even be thinking of that. Uh, <coughs> Super Sunday in the Coral Cup. Oh, what a show! <laughs> good show. Can we copy very and paste good, that for the Christmas good. quiz? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Tell you well, what, when you pull those ones out, that you get some buzz. You really do. Um, okay, we're. You're you're on fire tonight, Emmett. Uh, I don't know about that, mate. But that was a great question. I love that. Um, but it was only a great question because mm. I got it right. Uh, that that had me in the torture chamber. I'm I'm delighted to have got that. All right, last race, last race, and um, we'll let you get back to your life. Uh, Phil Dor wins mm-hmm. the beginners' chase. Um, pretty comprehensively beats Saint Roy, uh, pretty comfortably by by four lengths. The way Phil Dor is is built. Chasing has always just looked like this would bring out the best in him. Very good juvenile last season. 
um, started this season with um, you know with with a plum. He took on Brazil, which is, is no mean feat. Uh, he was going to take in another hurdle run, but he's been diverted now into chasing. Um, he, he has all of the attributes to make it into a, a really good chaser. What did you make of his chasing debut? My time was I was, I was very good. I think this is going to be a very good chaser, this fella. He was a very good juvenile anyway. And, uh, you know, when you see the way the Pied Piper went on now, and, uh, well, Bond obviously hasn't run yet, but he's obviously very good. Pildor is, you know, he splits them in the trial. Um, this horse is going to be very good on fences. Um, he has the shape, physique for it. He's going to be getting the four-year-old allowance all season. He's going to be, you know, very competitive. And he'd be a big shout in the article for me. Big shout. I'm like uh, obviously John Bond, you know, obviously John Bond is going to, you know, there's going to be plenty in it, but this one is going to have an allowance as a four-year-old mm. and that's going to make a huge difference. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a fine horse, good horse. And uh, it was good to see him do that, actually. I thought, to me, he was a shade disappointing at Nace. And uh, I actually think that that, that horse that beat him in Nace, Brazil, is, I think he, he could be a, Another horse that could be very dangerous in the, in a champion hurdle. Oh, and uh, oh yeah, oh, he's 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 top class horse Brazil, top class. Yeah, he didn't another exciting O'Brien horse. He didn't quite get the credit he deserved for that because all of the attention was going on Gaelic Warrior. And but, um, yeah, I think there was uh, I think you could see you could see that he was obviously very good. But uh, yeah, Saint Rose is a preview. Yeah, he took the his county, county runner, yeah, and uh, yeah, no, he's this led, yeah, this led very impressive, very impressive. Yeah, there's yeah, a, there's an awful good. lot to he's like about him. Yeah. I, there's an awful lot to like about his price as well. Like you've got John Bond at three for the article. No thanks. Um, not saying he's not going to win, but no thanks. And uh, Phil Doors thirteen point right now. So that division is going to be strong. Yeah. And look, there's a lot more for him uh, to do, is, but. I, I would there like is, to but, see him in the racing post novice chase. I don't know if that's what they're going to do, but. I mean, why not? Like he's he's a proper grade one horse, so I, I, I imagine lo- God will consider it. Lo- I I I'd love to see him miss Chat go to entry. Really? I think it'd be, yeah, I think he'd be superb at entry, superb. Yeah, he won't obviously. He he he'll run at Cheltenham <laughs> and he'd probably win at Cheltenham. But uh, I'd love to see him at entry. My horse, lovely horse. It was a a very assured display. He was foot perfect. Um, and he's quick as well. It was a very, very smart. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is. He is. But he's only four, you know. He's True. Four. True. Um, so you'd imagine there's there's even more to come. Who is the, the horse to take yeah. out of the weekend? Constitution Hill aside, who is the horse to take out of the weekend for Dennis O'Regan? Lucia. Nice. Nice. Mm. Nikki Henderson could tear it up at the Cheltenham Festival. This season, he could turn, and she's going to be a major player for him. Uh, Lucia, yeah, who, who uh, yeah, I wouldn't look. I wouldn't. I just thought there was a lot of. I thought Nick uh, William Mullins's horse Herman thing in Gorn Park was it was decent. Uh, he, he was another one I take out of it, and uh, I also like Kalanisi Star. I thought that was a very good, he's a good horse, and uh, yeah, there was loads like. About a lot of things over the weekend, but for me, Lucia the mayor that won at Newbury would be probably the one I take take out of it for the whole weekend. Yeah, she's very good, top class. 
and you're going to be on before Christmas, but the Christmas box will come courtesy of Spanish Harlem. Uh, yeah. Um, I'll send you my address, Emma. There's <laughs> <laughs> a bottle I'll of Moet with your name on it for yourself and Louise when yeah. Spanish Harlem goes in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Beautiful. Brilliant stuff. Listen, I really enjoyed looking back on the weekend's action with you, talking about the new whip rolls. Yeah. Oh my God, as well. Um, geez, there's going to be a lot of headaches about that, but that was a, a lot of fun, Dennis. Really appreciate your time. and looking forward to talking to you again on the final furlong very soon. Thanks for having me on, Emma. Thank you. Pleasure, as always. Dennis O'Regan joining us on the final furlong podcast. And on Wednesday, don't forget, we've got Gordon Elliott, Patrick Mullins, and Poppy Power here as we preview Fairy House and the Hatton's Grace. It's the return of Honeysuckle, and top-class grade one jumps action continues. That's going to be a lot of fun. That'll be out on Thursday evening from all of us here. Thanks for listening. Be safe, be well. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.